Hi, this is Christopher Daniel Barnes, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, and you're listening to the Canned Air Podcast. everyone and welcome to another episode of Canned Air, your tribute to pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I am Jack Doherty. And I am Randy Hardenbrook. And we've got another good episode for you this week, people. Joining us, my God, this woman has done so much and is still... I was going to say, she, she is doing busy. so <laughs> much. Uh, but you, you might know her best as uh, the slave girl from the Ten Commandments, the old Charlton Heston Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. which is like a, a classic. Mm-hmm. You know, we, in my family, we used to watch it every year. When I've it never came seen on. it. Never? No. <laughs> oh, Jackie. <laughs> wow. No. That's when you guys were talking. Wow. Yeah, no episode, spoilers yeah. yet. It's coming. It's coming. Just sit there and eat your jello, all right? <laughs> she was also Sissy in Family Affair. And boy, that show is a is a hit from the 60s that just keeps resonating through time. I mean, it still has a pretty loyal fan base. Mm-hmm. But uh, our listeners might know her best as Firestar in Spider-Man and his amazing friends. We welcome... Kathy Garver to the show today, and it was boy, was it fun talking to her! It was a very good time. I always uh, say that after every introduction, seemingly, but the truth of the matter is, it always is fun. There's only (laughs) been one time it hasn't been fun, and that's on Patreon. So you'll have to go over there and see it, and that was a long time ago. But no, damn, this was a great conversation. We had so much fun talking with her about how she started acting, about uh, her time on the Ten Commandments, her time with Family Affair. Her many books, voice acting, voice acting, and of course, Firestar from Spider-Man and his amazing friends. So good conversation ahead. But before we do any of that, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And if you really like what we're doing, Randy, where should they go? Check us out on Patreon. We've got amazing catalogs on there. It's kind of like the Canned Air Plus, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got what hours of content episodes that's an understatement different, <laughs> at this point different tiers we've got the traumatic episode we've got you know so much for different levels but if you can't you know throw some money our way go to your podcast player of choice and just give us a review you know every mm-hmm. little bit helps and yeah absolutely those those uh reviews again it's not just us fluffing our ego it really helps in uh you know whatever provider like it, apple itunes for example the more we get there the more uh, Apple will push us out on their uh, podcast pages. More exposure. So that is big support right there. And uh, yeah, the Patreon. Again, the Candare Patreon pod, Candare Radio Theater, uh, the Comic Vault. Oh, there's all kinds of uh, different series that are running on there. Candare mm-hmm. Classics. We just put up uh, <laughs> Randy grilling me and Jack with uh, 80s trivia. <laughs> Go see how well Jack and I know our 80s people. You might be surprised. <laughs> Born in the 70s and don't know the 80s i don't know yeah yeah i was born in 81 and uh well we might be divulging too much just go check it out people and don't forget to go over to evergreenpodcast.com the network that has so graciously uh hosted us and allowed us to be a part of their network with so many other great shows uh we've been with them what now about uh just over just over a year i think and it's just been a match made in heaven i think Mm -hmm. i love it so absolutely check them out at evergreenpodcast.com and i think we're ready to get this rolling right there you go without any further ado here's our conversation with kathy garver 
Kathy, I want to thank you so much for taking time to be on our show. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for being here. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> How are you? A lot of other places I could be, and I'm liking it right here. Oh, well, we're so grateful. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> How's your day going so far? Looks like you have some uh, beautiful weather outside the window there. It's very warm. It was like about 91 degrees. And uh, I, <laughs> I live in Bell Canyon, California, but uh, the weather here has just been gorgeous. It's getting all nice for the Super Bowl on Sunday, but it was a hot day today, but I got a lot of stuff done, you know, and sometimes I like to do this on Zoom because it encourages me to clean up my office. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it can be a real disaster. Yeah, but. I just use blankets to cover up the messes in here. So. Well, I used a comforter. You see that brown comforter oh, okay. right there? <laughs> it hides myriad boxes of different kinds of things. So I'm not alone. I don't great, feel great so bad now. Awesome. <laughs> Well, again, thank you for being here. And I'm, let's just start with, you started acting at a very young age, like very young. How, how did that happen? Where exactly did you start? Exactly how old were you when you got into acting? Well, when I got into acting, I was eight, but I started tap dancing and singing when I was three at the Medlin Studios in Hollywood, which was the same place that they discovered Shirley Temple. Now, um, my mother, of course, all the mothers at that time thought that their daughter would be the next Shirley Temple. Of course. <laughs> I was Kathy Garber, but I'm, I'm glad I'm me because Shirley's not with it. But um, it was, they were fabulous. Uh, Ethel Medlin started the studio and I was with them until I was like 15, 16. And I learned to sing and tap dance and ballet dance and, and all the skills that help one go on in their career and keep it going as long as I have. Sure. And then uh, you obviously uh, very quickly uh, went to the, the, the set of the movie, The Ten Commandments. What was that like as a nine-year-old, uh, just being on a set and a movie of that scale? Was that kind of like a big playground for you or... Well, actually, I was only eight. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, don't to, I, I, I don't want to get any older than I, I am. Um, <laughs> I was uh, I was just hired to be an extra, and who even knew what that was? But I remember going and getting big sponges in the makeup room first that were cold, and they were putting dark makeup on. And I felt when you're that young, I think you really absorb things through the senses, what you see and what you uh, hear, etc. And so I was feeling cold, and then I was feeling scratchy because the costumes were scratchy. And then we went on to this big set. We were shooting the Exodus part of Ten Commandments, and they were shooting that at Paramount. And there were animals all around. What I love animals, still do. But these were donkeys and oxen and sheep, oh my. And so I was, <laughs> I was in heaven and I thought, well, this will be really lots of fun. And it was. Until I got splashed when the Red Sea closed. <laughs> <laughs> that movie was such a staple of growing up. I think it was on television every year, like around uh, maybe Easter or something. Mm. I can't remember if that's accurate or not, but... Um, it still is. It's on every Easter and they colorized it and they um, brought it up some of the technology, but you keep the, the core of it. And some of the effects, I think, are even better than all the green screen and everything. I think sometimes our sci-fi or some of our even animated things, but the, the sci-fi things 
um, they forget about the story mm -hmm, and right. they just, it's just about the effects. Of course, we had a pretty good story to begin with, with the Ten Commandments, but people seem to like the Bible. It's so <laughs> Everyone kind of knows it too. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah, they it's do. It's kept its popularity, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I had heard you say in another interview, uh, speaking of the practical effects, that the, the sea parted was actually jello. Is that, that's accurate? That is accurate. Yes. And uh, just actually a month ago, I was surfing or whatever. And I said, you know, I always say that that's jello. Is that really true? <laughs> because that's what I was told. And yes, and it, it is accurate. And it was the they got that effect of the the, the jello moving and everything that looked like the sea moving. And they wow. used like little miniature soldiers. And it was, yeah. That's they were incredible. very inventive. It was like totally set Jello. No, no, it, not, still... it, it wasn't totally set. Okay. Yeah, so it was still the you know going back and forth. So they, you know, to have the movement through, through right. that. Are, are you a cook? You know about J E L L O. I do. I do. It's when you want to. It says to wait four hours, and you wait two, and you will check it and shake it, and it still kind of has that little skin on the top. Yeah, right, and it's wiggling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lucille Ball. Um, she was. Uh, she was. Uh, they were one of the sponsors of her show when she was on the radio, and she would say, "Jello, everybody." <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, that's that's Lucy. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. That, what a testament to uh, how effective practical effects are. I mean, for mm -hmm. something like that to work, that's incredible. I would never would have guessed it was Jello. That's mm -hmm. the person that decided it. What about Jello? But he said, not strawberry, not raspberry. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't there a blue raspberry? Yeah, we could use blue raspberry. <laughs> and, and maybe we can mix it with a little lime jello. And so I can just hear the people wow. you know, figuring out the, the color. Are there any other uh, practical effect things you can remember from that film set that we might not even know about? Well, I, I always remember when the... the um, the walls were closing in on the little lady and she was about to be crushed. And Moses comes in and, and he pulls it back. Now he was actually, you know, holding those walls, those walls back. And um, I don't know if it was a paper uh, in effect, but we were on a paper mache mountain and um, that the water was all in big vats here. I'll have to set up the scene because uh, they did, uh, shoot some of it right there on Paramount Studios. And they had configured these mountains that were paper mache, and then they had dirt right on, on the floor and around the perimeter um, of the set, right where the catwalks that they, they uh, put these great big vats of water. And so that uh, the, uh, the Red Sea closing was actually these, these great, when they were getting close-ups and, and even for the main scene, they were putting, um, they would get the water as when this DeMille says, okay, action, and, and all the water just wow. says. Hmm. Yeah. Incredible. It was real water. <laughs> that, <laughs> that wasn't jello. <laughs> that wasn't jello. That was, that was real water. This is making me want to uh, watch it again and try to pick out other things. Like, I wonder how they did that. Yeah. That's, jello. That's water. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amazing. Very of course, we have to mention Family Affair, where he played Sissy. And this show, obviously, as everyone knows, was a huge, huge hit. And I have to admit, I haven't seen it in some time. I remember watching it when I was a child. 
my mother was a big fan of it. And another, another prominent memory I have isn't even really from the show, but when my sister was real young and got her first pair of glasses, my <laughs> mom used to call her Miss Beasley. <laughs> she was it must mom's... have been a little round uh, black glasses. That's the kind that <laughs> Miss Beasley wore. So, yeah, well, it's it's actually the... never been off the air. It went, um, after three seasons, we did five seasons, it went into syndication. Right. And then after that, it went over to TV land and me TV. It's, um, it's on MeTV. It, it varies back and forth between decades, which is also owned by WCIU, the, the network that has it. So they have decades as well as MeTV. So it goes back and forth between then. But now it's also on Amazon, uh, Amazon Prime. It's on Hulu. Who knew Ooh. that <laughs> we were going to have all these platforms for it to, to be there? And that's why, you know, when you're doing the pop culture, um, and that's your, I, I love the name of your podcast, the Candare, oh, but you know, you. pop, I think it's great. Um, <laughs> pop culture and, and comics. And we'll talk maybe about, um, Firestar, my, um, it, it might come up, yeah. oh, it's definitely coming <laughs> up for sure. <laughs> but a family affair, uh, is, is very steady and has a whole new odd audience and the generations love it. And it's really kind of a very nice, quiet, soft place to go with all the chaos. And I'm going to die tomorrow. Oh, my God. I have right. Well, one more degree and I'm going to be dead. Oh, no. Anyway, there's so many things. Guys. Okay. It's all right. I'm going to watch. Family up there. Now take it. So um, one thing I read online was that you were playing a 15-year-old, but you were closer to 20 in real life. So, I mean, looking at pictures of you, you know, from the cast, you obviously could pass as 15, but was there any extra thing that wardrobe was doing with you to help that effect take place? Like bows in the hair, anything to that effect? Well, I know that when I, the first season, especially, and we all supplied our own clothes, except for Brian and Sebastian and Sebastian Cabot, who played um, Mr. French, had a, a uniform or you know a gentleman's gentleman's right butlerish kind of uniform and and brian had these wonderful suits by botany that he never wore because <laughs> <laughs> primarily wore a, a, a bathrobe but when i oh 15 well that was so long ago so i used to wear like little smocked dress i now Three guys, I don't know if you know what a little smocking is, but that was very popular and is a very young kind of style. Now only babies and and really toddlers wear it, but it was kind of a style. I would wear those little smocked dresses and I I would wear uh, bows in my hair. Anissa would wear the pigtails, but and she was a little older too. She was almost nine and she was playing a six-year-old, but she wore the really? little pigtails. But yeah, we... Um, and I had to fight with some of the producers and excuse me, this is the 60s. And once we got, you know, and maybe into the third year, and I wanted mini skirts. Yay. Yeah. And I said, no. <laughs> and I said, why? Um, and they were right. And I, I don't a lot admit somebody else is right, but the producers were right. And Don Federson, who had My Three Sons, who was, which was another 
wonderful family yeah. show that was on for nine seasons said, look, we're, we're keeping this as classic as possible. We're not giving into the trends of the day because then people aren't going to relate as much. So he said, no. And my my wardrobe then was, you know, just right above my knees and nothing really super flashy. And we paid not homage, but we did um, some things where they had beatniks and I tried out to be a beatnik and on that lifestyle, can I do this with my jeans and my other things? And I said, no, I'm going back to, to my family, which was hard to do living in a penthouse apartment. (laughs) 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 And it's so funny, my, my latest book, and I'm sure we'll talk about my books, but my latest book, we can't see it. I think that I'm on Zoom. Can you see my book microphone? Um, the, the Family Affair uh, scrapbook. A friend of mine, Barry, we did a talk show together backstage with Barry and, and Kathy. And he's a historian and a Hollywood historian. And he actually found the building where our penthouse was right on Fifth Avenue. And oh, wow. it was really, I, I, would, I would have liked to have seen that. And that would have given me even another dimension, knowing where I lived in the the actual building, because everything was done in L.A. and we're supposed to be from New York. But it was rather an impressive building, beautiful. So, yeah, I I gave it that little hippie apartment and went right back up on my nice elevator with the man holding the door and (laughs) threw my double doors into my beautiful penthouse. (laughs) Tough. It was tough. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it was hard. (laughs) You uh, read my mind as far as books. I wanted to touch on uh, some of your books that all seem to be somewhat centric around the family uh, fair, like the Family Affair Cookbook, for instance, is the first one I have here. Now, is that in any way like meals or food items that were somehow on the show, like where you guys are sitting at the table eating? Is that the kind of things that the recipes are for? Or how, how does the cookbook relate exactly to Family Affair? Well, when I first uh, wrote this, and this was my very first book, um, I had been working on my my memoir for a while, but unfortunately, I, I had a house fire, house burned down almost, and it took my all of my notes and everything with it. So I went to a cookbook, which was much easier to write. And the way that it it's uh, styled is that each character has his or her own chapter. So there's Mr. French that has very, you know, gourmet recipes Mm -hmm. in it. And then um, I have sissy sizzles that, (laughs) 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 Um, and then the, the, the twins, Buffy and Jody have simple things to make. And then Uncle Bill has potent potables, which are how to make all kinds of cocktails, especially in Manhattan, since we were from New York. And also there's a chapters uh, about what, where are they now type thing. So that was my first one. How cool. That's very interesting. What a cool take on that. I would have uh, never guessed. Now, also, well, you've got to read that book and, and I guess you've got so. to put some, uh, we'll some have, of the recipes in there. We'll have Jack get it. See, he's the resident cook here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm lucky to heat up SpaghettiOs. We're, we're sick of Jello over here. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, you should do that. That's what is this, like a fire department this 
you, you all live together and, and each one has its own. <laughs> I'm not no. even kidding when I say I almost had to call the fire department a few weeks ago when I was trying to cook. <laughs> really? I had the kitchen full of smoke and the back door open like, oh, please don't let the fire alarm go off, please. <laughs> and where were you, Jack? Couldn't you save him? <laughs> I was probably at my apartment cooking something myself. Yeah, he was over there making gourmet food and chef's hat on. I'm over here on fire. <laughs> okay, your next book I want to touch on, Surviving Sissy, My Family Affair of Life in Hollywood. Is this just mainly about your life in Hollywood during the show or just in its entirety? Its entirety, right up to the, the day that I gave it to the publisher. So wow. it starts out when I'm a babe, uh, baby. <laughs> it goes to when I'm a babe, no. Um, so, no, it does uh, follow my my whole life. And actually, and I didn't mean it to be this way, but then it kind of evolved that each chapter is like you're making a blanket and they, they're all allusions to different kinds of things. This is like, you know, the, the silk part or or, you know, weaving a new thread, which means it then translates over, well, I left one thing and then started something else. So it has that kind of um, motif through, throughout, the whole, throughout the whole book. That yeah. sounds interesting. Now, now the one you just held up there, that one just came out this past September, correct? The, the uh, Family right. Affair uh, scrapbook. Can you tell us a little bit about what's in that book? This is my newest book, and it's a compilation of a lot of pictures that were uh, taken from Family Affair and then surrounding that particular era. And it also has a whole chapter on notable guest stars. We had some wonderful people that appeared on our show. Ida Lupino, who I absolutely adored. She was so good. And she was so good that they brought her back for another show that that she did and they usually didn't do something like that uh and then there was robert reed who then went on to do the brady bunch right after us right. and kind of stole our thunder <laughs> because <laughs> there's the little girl there that looked an awful lot like anisa with the two little yeah, ponytails yeah. and she even had a little doll and yes, they admit yeah. it yeah we just took that right right out and uh, so they started added some more kids and uh so that was a nice little family uh, situation comedy that, that took off. But the scrapbook is really fun. It's very bright and fun. And there is a whole chapter on um, memorabilia. Memorabilia was just, you know, and different things that were being created for the shows was just coming into being. But then they just took off with it and there are, coloring books and viewfinders and uh, lunch pails. And we were a worldwide phenomenon because, again, I think we were one of the first shows that ever went to China because we were not really? offensive and because it was family and it was because of love. And those things are worldwide. Right. Very accepting mm, worldwide. Sure. Sounds like one hell of a fun book. Yeah. Oh, it's fun. Yeah. And the, the listeners can get these books at kathygarver.com and even uh, some of them autographed, correct? Right. If they go to my site, which is K-A-T-H-Y-G-A-R-V-E-R, kathygarver.com, there's a merchandise page. And then I have five books. The other one is my holiday recipes for a family affair. And there's also Ex-Child Stars, Where Are They Now?, yes. which is a very interesting book. And if you go to my site itself, 
I can autograph it for you. You can also get them on Amazon and, and that's fine too. Um, I will still get a royalty <laughs> if, you <get> <laughs> if, if, if you get them on Amazon um, or you can even go to the publishers directly. So uh, yeah, uh, but I'd love people to read them. I think that like you didn't know about some things like with the Ten Commandments and there are a right. couple really wonderful stories uh, in my memoir about the Ten Commandments, but they and they encapsulate a certain era, which I think goes beyond just you know, this was a fun show to do, but what was happening and, you know, the Vietnamese war was going on. And mm. I actually went to um, visit a lot of the hospitals in, in, in Japan and oh, Okinawa wow. while that was still going on. But it's also what, what has happened, you know, all through from like when I was born, I'm certainly not going to say that the um, the year, but from the year I was born up till 2022, when I'm still alive and kicking. Now, the ex child star uh, book, I'm very curious about. How did you choose who you were going to cover in this book? There, there are all uh, TV child stars from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, and that had a, a TV series. Okay. So we're going to do a sequel to it, and then they will be child stars from the movies, still from that classic era. So I that's uh, ongoing. And I have a new a, a book that I'm working on. My new book will be TV Dinners, which goes along with a pilot for a show that we're doing called TV Dinners. So you just keep yourself geez. busy, yeah, don't I you? Just gonna say. I do. You know, devil's hands and all that stuff. <laughs> Well, I, I would recommend people get them off of your website because an autograph, I think, just oh, personalizes sure. yeah. it, makes it so much better. I mean, that's how I am anyway. We're going to take a break from our conversation with Kathy right here to jump to a commercial break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast. On Ohio vs. the World, we'll travel back in time with the authors, historians, and even witnesses to visit the most exciting, consequential, and too often overlooked topics that have shaped America's history. There seems to be an Ohio connection to so many important moments. When you said uh, Ohio versus the world, we did some damage. So join us and we'll take a deep dive to enlighten, educate, and entertain you as Ohio vs. the World makes history fun again. Looking at your IMDb page, there are just so many different projects you've done, and there must have been so many different, well, not must have been, there were so many different characters you portrayed over the years. Was there ever a character or, you know, somebody you wanted to portray that you haven't gotten the chance to yet? Well, I I actually just talked to a friend of mine who is a producer, a big producer, and has done a lot of things. And he has new things on the horizon. He's doing a, a thing with Susan B. Anthony. And I've always wanted to do like Mary Todd Lincoln or something. Ooh. Patty Duke did it. And um, I would be very, I'm, I'm little, I'm, I'm like five foot one. And so I like, you know, to do like some historic figures okay. that, I, I could get really my my teeth into. I I would like to do that. Maybe somebody mm -hmm. will hear this now and be like, hmm. yes, or, yes, just or, or right one for me. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, jump over to your voice acting career because I think this is how uh, we prominently 
know you, some of these amazing characters you brought to life. First, of course, Pepper and Chuck Norris, Karate Commandos. Boy, was I obsessed with that cartoon <laughs> growing up. I still have some of my action figures from it, actually. But um, Miss America in 90s Spider-Man. You were in Tom and Jerry Kids. You named some more, uh, Randy. You had said some earlier. I can't. Uh, you were in uh, Dennis the Menace, I believe. Uh, the real Ghostbusters, uh, the original Ghostbusters that wasn't affiliated with that, I believe. Just quite a, I just go to her IMDb. It's, it's, it's very, very lengthy. lengthy. <laughs> and I didn't mean to throw you on the spot. I'm yeah, sorry. <laughs> but most popularly probably known as far as the voice acting goes as Firestar and Spider-Man and his amazing friends. And so where does your uh, voice acting part of your career begin and how did it begin? It began when I had a commercial agent and he um, said, well, I want to send you out on this interview for a voiceover. Now, this was a long time, maybe 40 years ago. Strange since I'm like 38, but um, <laughs> it, it was that long ago. And uh, I said, what's a voiceover? He says, oh, that's that's OK. You'll just you, you'll know. So I went on this commercial for Tuna um, and the, the producer there said, OK, I'll say. I like tuna. And I said, okay, I like tuna. And he says, okay, now say it a different way. A different way? What's a different way? And I said, uh, I like tuna. Okay. All right. I'm glad you do. Now, now say it different though. Say it different. Okay. Okay. I like tuna. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, we'll call you. And so I said, well, I don't know how to do this. And so I went and I took lessons. So now I can say, I like tuna. I like tuna. I like tuna. <laughs> I can say it I can say it a hundred different ways. All mm. right. And I'm sure each one would be just as entertaining. That was awesome. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> so that's how it tuna. started. And uh but you, and then I taught uh I taught uh voiceover for 20, 22 years and how to develop characters and audiobooks, how to narrate audiobooks. I've I've won like five Audi Awards from narration wow. of audiobooks. I've done about 75 of them. Wow. And they are all available on audible.com. <laughs> Just putting Kathy Garber and a whole little list will come up of my books that you can buy and listen to. The one that I, I just finished, uh, I, which I loved, was In the Presence of Greatness, which was the uh, oral rendition of Patty Duke's uh, book. Um, that she did with uh, Bill Jankowski. And he was a good friend of hers and he interviewed her and there's just loads of um, parallels and, and from her life that she discussed. But I had played her friend, Monica, on the Patty Duke show. So okay. she, she was oh, wow. a friend of mine. And why it was so important to me is that because she was a friend and this was the last book and it came out in you know, right after she died. And so it was like, she was right by my side when I was recording this. And so it was really a, an otherworldly kind of experience to me. And so that was, that was uh, very, very enjoyable. I, I liked doing the book and paying homage to her, which is now the right place to put in that word, because we were not paying homage to beatniks. <laughs> I had to correct that. <laughs> All right. 
So when you were doing the audiobooks, is there a particular genre you kind of go for? Or is that just it kind of whatever comes up? I like doing fiction. I, okay. I like making all the different kinds of voices because you can do like 60, 70 different kinds of voices in sure. a fiction book. A man's voice and, and a little girl's voice and all kinds of different voices. So I enjoy doing that probably because I'm totally nuts. <laughs> and this gives me a wonderful outlet to let all those people inside me get to talk. <laughs> My poor husband of 40 years, <laughs> he just sits there. He's so sweet. He just sits there quietly and I'm going... He knows magic's happening. He just let it happen. Maybe. I'll tell him that. Valentine's Day. I'm making magic for you, honey. Is that what that is? All right. So, Firestar, uh, what a cool character she was. So enjoyable. And I love one thing about her is she's very much the same thing happened with Harley Quinn and like the Batman cartoons. It happened with her. She, she didn't have comic origins before she came to screen. She was born for the television show, right. but mm-hmm. then became this favorite of the fans. And then afterward got her own comic series and she's had action figures and all kinds of cool things. So I just find that to be very cool about her aside from just how awesome the character herself is. But um, how, how did that opportunity come along? I, I finally had learned how to do voiceover. So I and I was with uh, ICM, I think at the time, and I went on on the interview. And uh, then I was living in San Francisco at the time. And so of course I got it. So I would have to fly back and forth from San Francisco to LA. At that time, we didn't have these wonderful Zooms and, and you can, you know, right. get to do voiceovers from wherever you are. So I, I went on the interview. But I was thinking it was it was so interesting with with Stan Lee because like Harley Quinn, this was the first um, kind of characters that he had made for the TV, and later on, like Firestar had like a four mini uh, series of of just herself, which which was really nice. And just this year, I mean, they had brought out action figures of Spider Man, Iceman, and Firestar previously. Um, but just this year now, see if we were doing this on TV, you could see this wonderful little uh, oh, yeah, Marvel yeah, action nice. figure that that came out last year in 2021. And I, I really like it, except um, she has like two heads. She has a detachable head. And I, I really don't know if I really want to be decapitated, but it's it's quite nice. And, and they have Miss Lion, the dog. Oh, that's right. That she came with her, too. Do you yeah. have that one? No, not yet. I, we're we're going to have it's it now. It's going to be on the we? show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, I, if, you, if, if you write me, I, maybe I'll autograph it for you. Oh, you know, I, I, it's not on my it's not on my website. I, I should put some of them on my website because I, I have like a box full of, of these wow. wonderful characters. But you see, I, I, in, my, in my life, in my career, I'm very happy, you know, to be involved with things that, that all became classics. And I'm very... Uh, you know, it's it's nothing that I did that I'm ever ashamed of having done. Oh, but the the, ice, the icing was that Ten Commandments is a classic picture. Family Affair is a classic picture. Now, what about a Firestar? This, you know, even though that we did Spider-Man and Amazing Friends in the 80s, it's still super relevant today. And because it's all story, as far as I'm concerned, they are good because they have a story to tell. And each one of the Spider-Man and his amazing friends 
cartoons, you know, it has the, the problem, what we're going to do, we're going to solve it, and then we, we solve it. But it's interesting. And people can follow that that mm -hmm. train. And I think that's why, you know, Disney bought bought Marvel and it's on Disney, yeah. you know, like like every Saturday. So it's, again, another revival. And I'm working on the Aunt Sissy prequel sequel. And we were saying before that family affairs seems, you know, kind of centric to to what I have done. I feel as though I'm like the standard bearer of this classic show and that there there are so many people that like to come back to the nostalgia. That's why I think all these networks that started like when TV land, but then, you know, me TV and I, yes. there's a new one called classic TV reruns that I just hosted a marathon for. And, um, and we sold a, a show to retro TV called idle chat. I was a producer on that. So I like the classic. I mean, somebody has to, um, remind people of, of where these cartoons came from, where the TV came from. Yeah. So yeah. It, to keep the history going, so so we can grow from that. There. And it was also good TV. Yeah. Versus yeah. some Such... of the stuff that's out here now. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Again, and because it had stories instead of yeah. like one-liners, you know. Uh, that's and, all it is yeah. anymore. Yeah. Exactly. That, you know, it has heart. And it's it's um, looking at everything Marvel's doing today. It's you know it's just a box office giant that seems to just keep gaining momentum and you know all of that marvel comics was in danger in the late 80s and uh you know into the 90s and what really saved it were shows like spider-man and his amazing mm -hmm. friends which that show in itself is definitely i mean you can't watch that show and tell me that's not the groundwork for the 90s spider-man cartoon and mm -hmm. the uh, 90s x-men right cartoon which yeah. is also coming back uh what next this year right i think yeah, so yeah. this year yeah so i mean it was those shows that really got the ball moving again with marvel and has brought it to where it is today it's just it's incredible it's incredible yeah and and they are i think they they grew on that that foundation and because it was so successful they said well okay let's spin off some of these other things and it's funny how, like, even the 90s, well, even X-Men, I mean, they don't even try to draw the characters any differently. They look like they walked right out of mm -hmm. Spider-Man <laughs> right. and his amazing <laughs> friends into this new show. Yep. Uh, almost uh, exact. But um, do you remember when you first saw a picture of Firestar for the very first time? Do you remember what your impression of her was? I really thought she was great looking. I said, gee, I'd like to have a body like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess I, I can pretend. See, that's that's really what's kind of fun about being an, an actor. You know, you can pretend that you have beautiful, long, you know, hair and this great, perfect body. Well, my body's not bad, but I mean, she is really <laughs> tall and, and great looking. Right. Now, as far as voicing her, you know, we've talked to so many voice actors and there's always a uh, like a chemistry to bringing a character to life. Well, I used a little bit of this person for inspiration mixed with this person, for example. Wh where does Firestar's voice come from? Who do you mix together? Do you what do you do? Well, I, I personally think that you can't be anybody other than who you are. Okay. You know, that that is the base for everything. So many reactions that you're going to have, if you're really true and you're in the moment and you are uh, voicing a character that's reacting to a, a different character, it's coming from your heart and from your spirit. Mm -hmm. So that's that's my underlying philosophy. So with Firestar um, and and the imagination, I do 
at that point, I was using a lot of imagination. And in, instead of like taking a prototype of a person and mixing it with a different person, because I have so many persons, people inside me, that um, so I, I would take, first of all, the heart and the age, you know, I, so, okay, that's how old she is. And, and then she's a hero. So that always colored that I was the hero. Right. It wasn't some animated thing that's still on a piece of paper. I am the hero. Right. And so that makes it, A, I think it makes it more real, and B, it makes you uh, want to go to the insane asylum quicker. Who <laughs> <laughs> is this person? Why is she doing that? <laughs> but, you know, in, in a pinch, I'll, I'll take a prototype, and, and I, there's a lot of times when I'll just do it, you know, a Catherine Hepburn, and I say, oh, yes, it's been so nice meeting with you all. You know, just quickly, and, and you can just take on, Someone like my dog. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we got the yeah, wow. yeah, <laughs> a, a puppy. <laughs> and you go. Dog was coming from, and I would barking. That would be a lot of fun playing with the dog that way. Right? <laughs> oh yeah, and, and my son and his future, uh, uh, my future daughter-in-law live with us have been for seven years but they they had the the dog and they got i gave them the, the puppy and so don't do that mom <laughs> <laughs> you keep on doing it it sounds funny yeah. yeah so obviously now with the mcu kind of bringing all these amazing characters to life is there anybody that you would pick obviously your fire star but would there be any actress that you would see kind of taking up that role in a live action setting or somebody that you would think like, wow, they'd be really cool in that in that role? Probably Nicole Kidman. OK, Ooh. I could definitely yeah, I say think, that. Yeah, I think Nicole Kidman would be good. Got my mind reeling now. Yeah. Putting yeah. her face on the. Yeah. Yeah. I have to get on Photoshop and see what that really looks like. <laughs> yeah, she would be good. And I, I'll be Aunt May. Oh, oh right. you know, Aunt May. And this was. Oh, uh uh, she was a, a, one of the characters in that as well. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We, no, we and just... I can play Aunt, in the live action. I'll, I'll play Aunt, uh, Aunt May. I'd be All a perfect right. Aunt May. You hear that, Marvel? There it is. <laughs> hear that, Marvel? <laughs> hear that, Disney? <laughs> I guess it's a half hour. Oh, so it is. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> we will let you go then. And of I... course, because I'm a good marketer, I don't know how good I am, but I do want to remind people that they can go to my website. They can like me. <laughs> That's how it's, I, always, <laughs> I always think of Sally Field. They like me. Yeah. Really <laughs> like me. Said, if you want to like me, you can go to my, my Facebook page, uh, Kathy Garber fan page. And you can also like me on Instagram. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Kathy, for being here with us today. This has been an absolute pleasure. You are funny, too. Oh, my God, are you funny? <laughs> well, thank you. Uncanny, I guess. Have a fabulous weekend. May the best team win. And have a great Valentine's Day. Yeah, you thank too. you. And thank, thank you, you so much, much for your time. Thank you. 
All right, and there it was, our conversation with Kathy Garver. Wasn't that awesome, guys? That was a blast. That was fun. She's a lot of fun and very funny. Yeah. Had my sides split. Yeah. (laughs) I like tuna. (laughs) (laughs) She jested, but I could listen to her do those takes all day, hear how many times she could make it different. You know, it'd be so interesting. But, uh, yeah, again, if you guys want to check out Kathy, again, kathygarver.com, everything she's got going on is over there. And, again, on her Instagram is uh, KG Sissy and Twitter is at Kathy underscore Garver. And again, we want to thank her for taking time to be on the show. What a great time that Absolutely. was. Absolutely. So with all that being said, Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to cannedairpodcast.com where you can listen, like, and subscribe to the show. You can see the special guests who we've talked to. Check out some of our YouTube videos. And if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And you can find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And again, people, the Patreon. Uh, so many uh, different shows on there. So much content that you can get for 5 or $10 a month, depending on uh, what you're willing to give. The Candare Patreon Pod, the Comic Vault, where we just sit and talk comic books strictly. Uh, canned Classics, episodes that have been pulled uh, from 2013 and 14 here our very first episode uh, how we got our start (laughs) boy how we've changed (laughs) a little bit the traumatic episode the episode that went horribly wrong and shattered our egos for a good about three or four weeks there yeah boy that was devastating that was tough that was hard to listen to and i wasn't even involved in it (laughs) yeah i mean it, it was like years later when we were recording the commentary for that episode to put on patreon and even all those years later, after the wounds healed, I was still nervous to it, hit record. It was like therapy. We had to bring in couches so these guys could lay down. And yeah, we had to take this. breaks and like pat each other on the back. Like, you're all right, buddy. You're all right. <laughs> had hugging pillows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was an, it was an ordeal. But again, uh, candarepodcast.com, that Patreon link. And uh, what else, Randy? Again, uh, check us out on evergreenpodcast.com. Check out all the other great shows. And uh, yeah. There it is. I think that's going to do it for this week, people. So uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Kathy, for being on the show once more. And until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. Be excellent to each other, people. Gideon. This has been a Canned Air production. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On PressBox Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on Press Box Access.